This is episode number 126 with Sam Ovens. New concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. At each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. Hey guys, welcome back to the Success 101 podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren, and I'm very excited to bring you today a very unique guest in Sam Ovens. You're going to hear about Sam's story here in just a moment, but I wanted to highlight the Success 101 podcast for those of you who might not be on my newsletter list just yet. And you can get on that list by either emailing me at info at success101podcast.com or heading over to my website, success101podcast.com. Click on any of the episodes there or the contact tab, and you will be able to sign up for my newsletter that periodically goes out. And if you weren't on the newsletter this week, you might have missed the fact that this is just not your ordinary podcast. After only five months, the Success 101 podcast has now been heard in 85 countries, and there are a great lineup of guests coming your way in the upcoming weeks. And with that, I will go into the mailbag. And the first one comes from David in Portland, who said, I am an avid podcast listener and use my commute time each day to download knowledge from my favorites. Yours is absolutely at the top. Well, thanks so much for that, David. Your transparency as a host, letting us know where you've had to climb back from has been key to letting me see where I need to focus on my own strengths to gain greater results. The idea of Success 101 is not so much about business and finance, but more around what we need to do first in order to achieve higher levels of success, peak performance, etc. on many different levels before we can find greater success in business or in our daily lives. You have such a wide range of guests and topics on the show, and all of them are focused on making me, us, better each day. Thank you for filling up my mind with knowledge on where to start each day toward creating higher levels of success. Thank you so much, David. And thanks really to all of you guys who write in. I've always mentioned that that's really what keeps me going is your feedback and keeps me energized. And David, I will certainly be sending out my book to you that I wrote last year, From Success to Significance, so that you have a copy of that. Thanks so much for writing in. And secondly here, we hear from Ryan in Dubai. Thanks for writing in all the way over in Dubai. It says, dude... I don't know you, but I love your content. Thanks, Ryan. I came across your podcast after hearing your awesome episode with Steve Weatherford, who I follow on many other avenues of social media. After listening to all of your episodes at this point, I can definitely say that you have the market cornered on the wide range of topics you bring to us each week as we learn to become more successful in our own lives. Success doesn't happen overnight, as you've said many times, and the ideas you and your guests present help us think outside of the box and become better than just following the crowd. Thank you for what you're doing, and please keep up the great work. And as far as having the market cornered, I don't know, man. There, I may have to respectfully disagree with you there. There are a ton of great podcasts out there, and I absolutely love that. 
we all have so many just, I guess, wells that we can go from to tap into to get knowledge and insight from these days. And I appreciate being one of those wells for you, uh, so to speak, in your mind, Ryan. And uh, I'll be getting a copy of that book out to you. But guys, there are so many great podcasts out there. I know for me, I created this podcast to help people learn what I was learning and the knowledge that I was filling up my mind with. And if I can help one person achieve higher levels of peak performance or reach their maximum potential in areas of energy, rest, habits, systems, goals, sleep, any of the things that I talk about, then it's going to be well worth it. But guys, keep sending me your comments and suggestions as I work hard to bring you guys great content each week. And also, I'm very thrilled to announce that I have the opportunity to head out to the Bulletproof Conference this coming week out in Pasadena, California. I'm extremely excited to get to catch up not only with a lot of the guys that I've done podcasts with and spend some time with them, but also to hear about all of the cutting edge technology and biohacking and nootropics and neurology and everything that we can use to become better. Once I found out I was heading out to Pasadena, I actually contacted Dr. Michael Bruce, whose new book has now come out called The Power of When. He is the sleep doctor, the sleep expert, and you might remember for my regular listeners, I interviewed Dr. Michael Bruce in episode number 117, where we talked about his new book, The Power of When, that would be coming out, and now it is out. Dr. Bruce was recently just featured on the Bulletproof Radio podcast with Dave Asprey, which I'm a huge fan of. And then also on the Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson, which I am also a regular listener of. So I contacted Dr. Bruce. I said, hey, Dr. Bruce, had a great time with you on my podcast. Your book is out now. We've got to get you promoted on the Success 101 podcast again. So we're actually going to do a Facebook Live coming up next Thursday, the 22nd. Be sure to tune in for that. And that will also be in a newsletter that's going out this week. For those of you who get my newsletter, probably on Monday and Wednesday, we'll send out a newsletter and a reminder about doing a Facebook Live with Dr. Michael Bruce. Really looking forward to that and just catching up on a lot of other things at the Bulletproof Conference. And I'll actually try to do a couple of maybe many small podcasts on each day of the conference to let you guys know what's going on there, including hopefully quite a bit of Facebook live recordings while I'm there. So be sure and tune in to my Facebook page for that or my website for any of those podcasts. Now let's cut to our episode for today. Today's guest is probably like no other I've ever had on the podcast, not only due to his young age, but also the level of success he has hit by just 26 years old by blazing a new trail in business and not just following the ordinary. As I said before, my guest today is entrepreneur Sam Ovens, who is on a path, as you'll hear in our episode today, to earn $13 million by age 26 just by thinking outside of the box and doing things a little bit differently. Sam is not afraid to step out of the path of the cultural norm of what everyone tells us to do to be successful. And you're going to hear that this is very similar, in my opinion, to my episode number 111 with Michael Carbone, which talks about this idea of growing up, going through school, getting a corporate job, and then just realizing that that is not at all what is going to fulfill us in most times as hardworking, driven entrepreneurs who want to go and create. So if you haven't heard my episode number 111 with Michael Carbone, I'll be sure and put that in the show notes as well. But I think this episode goes very well right along with that. And here's what I want to ask you guys as you get ready to dive into the episode today. What are you doing today to get out of the focus of the cultural business norm and seek higher profits and success in business that we walk around many times saying that we want to do, but we don't actually put any actions in place to do that. And a really big question is, would you be willing to give up for just one year the lifestyle that you're currently in in order to put yourself on a path 
exponentially greater than what you could have ever imagined. If you're single without many obligations, not many things tying you down, this might seem a little bit easier, but you'll also hear from Sam, what if you're stuck in a situation in a corporate job or a self-run business and you already have the wife and the kids and you feel like you're stuck and just can't move? My hope is that you're gonna hear from Sam today, the keys to building a massively successful business blueprint and the things we need to look for, the things we need to watch out for, and then use that knowledge to empower you today to higher levels of success for yourself. So without any further delay, let's jump right into my conversation with Sam Ovens. Hey, good morning, Sam, and welcome to the Success 101 podcast. How are things in London this morning? Pretty good, thank you. Now, I know that you have been, uh, you've got a pretty interesting story to tell at a very young age uh, as an entrepreneur. You're from New Zealand. You spend most of your time now living in New York, started a few different businesses. Some were successful, some were not, as we had discussed, and uh, now you have a very successful consulting business. Tell us a little bit about your journey, how you reached the levels of performance and success that you have at a young age and just uh, a little bit about you along the way. So I got started with doing the traditional sort of thing. Like I grew up a very normal life and my parents and everyone around me had always said, you know, success is going to school, then going to college and then getting a degree and then getting a job at a corporate and working your way up the ladder at the corporate and, you know, owning your own home and things like that. And so that's the picture of success that everyone had painted for me. And so I followed that. I went to school and I went to college and I was doing a, a business degree at college. And then I got my an internship at a corporate called Vodafone in New Zealand. And that was my first sort of corporate job. And I worked there for like three months. And then I just, I kind of just questioned everything I was like, is this really it? Is this what I've been working towards for 21 years? Is this what the next like 40 years of my life is going to be like? Because this was like the final stage. You know, there were, this was the end of the path that everyone had painted. They were like, and then you get your job at this corporate and then you just work there. And so I was like, is this really it? And I looked around at all of these different people in there who, had, who were, you know, smarter than me and they'd been, they worked harder than me. And they'd given 20 years to the firm and they hadn't really gotten that far. And I was like, if I had done what they had done, I would not be happy. Everyone had always told me that this was success, but none of these people around me really looked like they, they were that successful. And so I thought, you know, this is a big lie. Like I've been, I've grown up kind of believing this lie and it wasn't really true because these people weren't successful. They were still stressed about money. They had hardly any freedom and they wished they could be doing something else. And that was what everyone had told me was success. And I, and I just had this massive conflict. I realized that this wasn't for me. And I met a, well, my, my girlfriend at the time, her best friend's dad is an entrepreneur, like a very successful one. And one day she invited us up to her beach house and we went there and it was a private island in New Zealand. And I was sitting on the island and I was like, oh my God, this is the most mind-blowing thing I've ever seen. And I asked her, I was like, what does your dad do? And she said, well, he's an entrepreneur. 
And I, I didn't even really know what an entrepreneur was. And I remember wanting to Google the definition of entrepreneur, but there was no internet access on the island. So it was like just going around in my head like crazy. And then when I got back, I Googled it and found out what an entrepreneur was. I Googled her dad, found out what he did. And I was just like, this guy is doing what I want to do. He's has way more freedom, way more spare time. And there's no way that working in this job, I'm ever going to enjoy anything like this. So I just made the decision that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I quit. I dropped out of college. I hadn't finished my degree. I only had two papers left. So it was more done on principle than anything else. So I, I could easily have got the degree, but I just realized that it wasn't worth anything. I could easily get my degree. It would only take me, well, two papers is hardly anything. But I did it because I don't even want one. And because it doesn't mean anything. Everything I learned there, I had to unlearn. I quit everything and then to cut back on costs, I moved back home with my parents into their garage and sold my car, sold everything I had to my name, which wasn't very much. And I think I, after I liquidated everything and moved back home, I had about five grand to my name. And then I was just like, well, I'm going to start a business. And my first business I started, it failed. And it took, I spent about 12 months developing the product it was basically an online job board similar to LinkedIn before LinkedIn got really big. I spent all the money I had in a whole year building it and then it didn't work. And I took it out, I tried to sell it to people and they just kept telling me the same thing. They were like, hey, this is awesome, but I just don't need this. And everyone told me the exact same thing. They were like, this is cool, but I don't need it. And after I heard that enough times, I really, I realized that making something cool isn't enough. Like I could make something cool and anyone can come up with something cool. But in order for someone to actually open up their wallet and exchange some money, things have to be more than that. It's people have to actually need it. And so these people were telling me this to my face. They're like, hey, this is cool, but I don't need it. While that was a failure, it taught me the most important lesson I've ever learned in business still to this day. And that is that you have to create something that solves a market need. And you can't create something and then create the desire for it in the market. You can only harness and tap into desire that already exists. And the problem I was making was that I found something which I thought was cool and I went out to the market and tried to create the desire in the market and then sell my product. But that's an impossible thing to do and companies have gone bankrupt. Even ones who have billion dollar budgets have gone bankrupt trying to do that. You can't create the desire in the marketplace. You have to find desire that is already there. And so this taught me a lot. Then I went... So let me ask you, Sam, if it was if it was like LinkedIn, obviously LinkedIn is a very successful uh, uh, business and brand out there. What was different maybe about yours? You don't have to get into the exact specifics of it, but what maybe was different about yours that you also learned a lesson in addition to the desire part that you just talked about? Well, mine was just a job board where people could post themselves, like a profile of themselves, instead of a company gotcha. posting a job. So it has one feature similar to LinkedIn, but LinkedIn has all of these other things, like it's a network and all of this other stuff, which makes it successful. My one feature, which I had, it wasn't enough and it didn't really solve the problem. I needed to find out what the market wanted instead of me just coming up with an idea myself. 
And so I went out to the market and I started talking to people. Like I started asking them, hey, what do you guys want? What are the, some of the most painful problems you have right now? Or what's your goal with this business this year, the, in the next three months, in the next six months? And I just started listening and asking people. And one thing that I found that every company wanted was more customers. And one problem I came across was that most companies are owned by baby boomers. Like that's 70% of the wealth in the US. I'm sure it is in most countries around the world. That's most of the economy and most of who owns companies in the business world. And what's happened is they, they were bought up you, with the radio and TV and print and the yellow pages. And it was very easy to get customers. They'd just put up a sign or they'd go on the yellow pages and buy an ad or run some spots on, on the radio. And it was very easy. But things have changed now and everything's moved online and they have no idea what to do. And they can't figure out how to make the phone ring anymore. And so I found this, these two problems. Well, really, both problems were all part of the same problem, which is these people don't know how to get customers and they want more customers. And this problem was widespread everywhere. It didn't matter what industry, what size of the company, they all wanted more customers. And I thought, well, if I can learn how to solve this problem, I'm going to make a lot of money. And I, you know, I made a promise to myself, I was like, I'm going to learn how to solve this. I started Googling around and started finding out like how digital marketing worked, what made a good website, like how to get customers online. And I did some research and then I got to the point where I, I felt like I could add some value and I knew what I was doing. And then I just started cold calling companies and just saying, uh, I'd find them in the yellow pages and I looked for companies that were advertising in the yellow pages but had poor websites. And I'd call them up and say, hey, look, I'm looking at your website and you're making some big mistakes. I think I can help you. And I, they would ask me what I could offer and how much. And only after a few calls, I called this window tinting company and we agreed on a thousand bucks and bam, just like that, I had my first client. And then I kept, you know, kept calling uh, more companies, kept selling more companies. And I was sharpening my skill set along the way, like learning how to get better results for all of these clients. And then my prices went from one grand up to three, up to five, up to 10. Then I built an entire company out of it. We had about 15 people at one point and just kept scaling up. You were what age and at then this point? I was 21 when I quit my job and I was 21 when I started my first business that failed. And then I was 22 when I started my consulting business. My first year I was in business, I made 100,000 with my consulting one. Then the second 500,000, the third 1.2 million, and then the fourth 2.4 million. And this year, which will be the fifth, we've, we're, we're seven months in and I've already made over 8 million. So I'm estimating it's going to be at least $13 million. And so I'm 26 right now. And that's the run rate of my company. And probably thinking, well, how the hell do you make that much money by just doing these, offering these services? Like that would be impossible. But what I discovered was very quickly that humans can only do so much. I could only handle about four new website jobs myself each month. And so that limited me. And then I started hiring other people and, and I got them to start working with me. 
And at 14 people, the maximum amount of money we could make per month was uh, 200,000. At that point, I was like, I don't want any more people. I realized that I was a bad manager. I like people, but just having a ton of people and being responsible for a ton of people every day, it was very draining for me. I didn't really want to keep putting more people on more seats to grow the business. And then that made me just start questioning the, like, why do people hire me? And on the surface, it appears that people hired me because they want me to work with them on their business to help them get more customers and that they were employing me for my services and my time spent working for them. But if you start like at really analyzing why people hired me, it's because they just wanted the outcome. They wanted more customers. And so I started thinking, well, if it's about the outcome and not the process, then how can I deliver the outcome without actually doing the work? Because the work was the problem. I knew how to get customers. I became very good at it, but I was limited. I couldn't get more customers because we couldn't deliver the work. And that's when I started thinking, well, what if I could teach them how to do it themselves? Like, what if I could take all of my knowledge and all of the work which we do for them in-house? What if I could break that down into step-by-step processes? What if I could create training videos and really teach them end-to-end how to do it for themselves? And so I started thinking about that, and I just decided to give it a go. And I created the first version of the training program and started selling that instead. And it worked just as well. And people were able to, you know, it was a do-it-yourself option. A lot of people wanted someone to do it for them. And that was fine. I mean, we said we didn't do that anymore. And we allowed them to go out. And we even referred them to people who did do a full done-for-you service. And we let them work for them. But that was the real turning point which enabled me to scale so much. We could only get to $2.4 million per year doing the work. And I needed 14 staff to do that. However, this year we'll do more than 13 million and I only have five staff now. So we completely cut back on staff and overhead and we actually increased revenue and it's all due to the delivery of what we were doing. We moved from being a service business to a product business. So Sam, you've obviously had, I mean, that's an incredible story of scaling and you know, growing wealth and what you're doing right now. But I think it's an even more compelling story for most of my audience around your mindset at a young age. There are certain things that you're doing that, you know, you, I guess you just can't be taught. I mean, you can read about certain things, but a lot of that's going to be your gut instinct on what you need to do. What do you feel like your greatest strength is today as an entrepreneur? My number one asset would just be my hunger. Like I've thought about that for a long time because there's people that are smarter than me for sure. But the one thing which has enabled me to, to get so far and is just a very strong hunger for success. I would say that's all you really need. I mean, you can have things that you can be nowhere near as smart as most people, but if you've just got that, I mean, you'll do very well. So I'd say that's the number one asset that I have. And the second one I have is just a really strong belief that most people are wrong and that crowds are wrong, and that the contrarian view is usually right. That's helped me a lot because most people follow most people, but I learned from my first corporate job 
that most people were wrong because most people had told me my whole life that this was the path to success. You go to school, you get good grades, you go to college, you get your corporate job and you start climbing the ladder. I did that and I listened to most people, but I ended up there and I found out that the people weren't successful and they weren't happy. So that taught me to stop listening to most people. And so there really helped me a lot because I found out that most people were wrong. Like if you follow their, and all you have to do is really look at the numbers. I mean, the average American lives paycheck to paycheck and the average American couldn't come up with $400 in an emergency situation. And so the average American believes in the normal way. They've followed the normal way. But how has that served them? There's more evidence that the normal way and the the crowds are always wrong. So there's a ton of study on the millennial generation, which obviously you're you're part of that generation and how things are changing and how people are blazing their own new path and doing things in a very non-traditional way from what you've seen the generations before. But I see a trend with the millennials. I've got several uh, financial advisors that I coach here. And so I've you know, done a lot of studies on millennials and what reaches them and what, how are they thinking? And it's just a very different time in business. As, as you mentioned, it's not the typical do this, do this, do this. And that's what leads to success. People are branching out as you did on their own. But what I have noticed is the same trend with millennials all the way up through baby boomers that I interact with in business, whether it's my clients or people that I'm coaching in my office that I run here, people talk about freedom. They talk about autonomy. They talk about wanting to be their own business owner and have a piece of the pie, so to speak, have a partnership. What I typically find, though, is it's a lot of people talking. And what they typically do is they get stuck in that corporate path. And whether it's fear, whether it's, you know, fear of finances, fear of not knowing enough, fear of them, courage, fear of themselves, whatever it is, it takes guts to do that, as you know, as you did. Why do you think You personally, Sam Ovens, why do you think people are just getting so stuck in that corporate path, almost like sheep following after each other, but yet still talking about all the things that they want as far as freedom, autonomy? Why are they not making a move out of that? Well, the main reason is that everything's that original story that you're told your whole life, it's all designed to make you do like what all the corporations want you to do. I mean, listening to the news, I mean, how we, our parents tell us to do that since we were kids and go to school, go to college, get a degree, get a job at a corporate and then buy a house. Why do you think like buying a house is so important? I mean, for one, it's going against what, and it's very hard to go against the crowd, especially when you're new because you don't, you have no success to know that you're doing the right thing. So you know, when I first quit to start my own business, like my girlfriend was worried, my parents were worried, my sisters were worried, my friends were worried, like the people at the corporate job, which I left, they seemed, they looked at me as if I was an idiot. And, you know, everyone's kind of against you. And they're also against you because you're bringing in the beginning of a belief for them that maybe they've done the wrong thing as well. And so, you know, they want to fight you on that because they don't want to have made a mistake as well. So there's so many things that are geared against you. But really, if you really, if you have a, a good mind for analyzing things and, and realizing what is just a feeling and what's fact, I can analyze it. And whatever the fact is, I'll go with that every time. And so that's one thing I had that was good starting out, because when all of these emotions are against you, I could just 
find the fact and continue on. But, you know, all of these things are designed to make people do the traditional path. And I think now people are starting to realize that the traditional path is wrong. But it's only just the beginning. And it's going to take, a, it'll probably take another 30 years to really change things. But the change has already begun because we're witnessing people whose pension funds just dry up. We're witnessing people who give 30 years to a corporation and then get fired without any notice or anything. And so we're witnessing that being loyal to a company doesn't mean anything. What would the 26-year-old Sam Ovens go back and tell the 21-year-old Sam Ovens when you were getting out of school, starting your first business, based on what you've learned in those, you know, just a few years, but I'm sure you've learned a ton through your experience. What would the 26-year-old Sam tell the 21-year-old? Probably to focus, to just choose one thing, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, they want to start, they want to have five different businesses and they want to do all of these different things. And that's the downfall of most people. When, where I started making the most progress was when I focused on one thing and one thing only. I think that's the best advice for, for anyone starting out is just choose that one thing and just focus on it. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that advice or, or similar advice from, uh, from people out there doing similar things that you are now. It's just so many people get out of school today or leave school or whatever it is that they do. And they, you know, they want to go own six businesses and focus on, you know, building up their brand. And, you know, it's, it's too fast. It's too fast of, uh, of growth. And they end up failing out and some of them going back into the corporate world and going, wow, well, I tried that. And that really didn't work the way I thought, but it's because they were too, too unfocused, you know, back to your point. Yeah. Well, you asked, I asked myself, why do I want five businesses? And it's because I want, I thought that that meant five times the money. It means five times less money. <laughs> like having one company is the best. Like having one. So now I've gone down to one company and one product. So, you know, I've even had one company and multiple products. And I learned that was bad. Like the less amount of things you can possibly have, the better. Because that's where all your focus goes. And so I'm still relentless to this day of really what are the things in the company that matter? I've analyzed it all and I've got it all up on a, on a dashboard, like the most important web pages, the most important traffic channels, like for buying traffic, the most important numbers. Because as a human, you can only really do so much. You realize how little you can actually do. When you start out, you think you can do a lot. But once you start in business, you realize that your time is your most valuable asset and you've got hardly any of it. And so if you try to do too much, you're, you're never going to get very far. And so, you know, I like to break it all down and find out what the most important things are and, and then just focus on them. And that's where I've really been able to leap ahead. You know, once you can get it down to two numbers or two or three numbers, that's when you know you're, you're doing the right thing. Let's shift gears here for a moment to the individual who, uh, you know, you mentioned a few minutes ago that the typical thought out there is following this corporate path. I want to give some hope to those people out there too as well. I know you were referring to that as that's pretty much the mold of, oh, I've got this now or I've got this now and I can't move out of my tracks. I want to empower those people though. What would you say to the person who is in that position now? One child, multiple ch children, mortgage, but they're sitting in that corporate world unfulfilled. What could you say to give them the courage based on the experience you've had to break that mold and get up today and go try something different? 
Yeah, well, one thing that a lot of people have got to understand is that if you've already gotten a little bit entrenched in that dream that everyone's painted painted for you, you've got to take a few steps back before you can take any forward. And so with my corporate job, I had I was in a I had rented a place with friends and I had a car which was being financed and at a gym membership and I was able to go to restaurants and things and I had nice clothes. So I'd all I was I'd only been there for three months and I was already entrenched. In order to get out, I had to take a few steps back. I had to sell it all, cancel it all and move back home with my parents. If a lot of people they might have already gotten entrenched with some, with a home loan and with uh, vehicle finance and things like that. What you've got to understand is that you, no matter how many different plans or models you make, you're not going to be able to start your own business and hang on to what you've got. Quite often, in order to make room for more, you have to cut off what you currently have. You have to get rid of what you currently have. You can't always hang on to what you have and bring more. And so, you know, a lot of people just have to realize that if they're going to quit their job and start their own company, which is absolutely the best decision and they should do it 100%, they might have to live six months to a year not in the same lifestyle which they've got now. And so they might have to sell their home, get rid of their mortgage. It'd be a great time to do that right now before it all crashes. And so, you know, they should do that and they should get rid of their cars and all of these things and, you know, just buy something cheap and move into some move into a place which is cheaper and you know one year of not living the same lifestyle to live the rest of your life you know in a in a life exponentially better than what you currently have it's a no brainer but most people can't see that most people can't bear to let go of what they currently have yeah it's the fear of having to sacrifice i find they talk about it and i don't want to say they just want you know they just just talk about it because i think deep down they really do want to change this path that they're on but they're not willing to sacrifice and i find that the people that are doing what you are doing at your age or even older ages have figured that out is that in order to get to be where i want to be 2 years from now 5 years from now 10 years from now i have to take a big step back today and live a completely different way so that I can live differently in the future. And people just, you know, there's fear there. They're not willing to do that. Well, most people, that's why I said my hunger. Like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get to where I want to go. That's how bad I want it. You know, I've worked 17-hour days for five years, and I could work three days without sleeping if I really need to. And I'm not saying that's yeah, what you yeah, we need don't, to we do. We don't promote that on the Success 101 podcast. I'm not saying that's yeah. what you need to do, but I'm saying like if you, you know, if you wanted to compete with me, that's the sort of, that's the sort of drive you'd right. be up against. And, but most people won't even do anything. Like most people w- won't sacrifice anything. They'll be like, you mean I've got to learn? You mean I've got to read all of these books? You mean I've got to start waking up earlier or I've got to, go to bed later or, you know, I've got to do any of these things and they won't do it. I mean, if you, I've said it to people, I've said, I've made quite a lot, quite a lot of money and I have like in in cash more than 10 million now. And I've said to some people, there, a lot of people have said, man, I'd do anything for that. And I'm like, honestly, if you were to, if I was to show you the path that you'd have to go down to get this reward, I don't even think you would take it. 
And I think even a lot of people, if you showed them what they could get and then you gave them the option to take the path, they wouldn't even take it. Like it's, it, they just couldn't, even if they knew it was guaranteed. And it's because a lot of people just don't want it bad enough. They don't have that hunger. So Sam, as we get ready to wrap up the uh, podcast here, one of the ways that I started following you and, and what really caught my attention was your blog and your website and the posts that you have on there, the video posts. Uh, I get more intrigued by videos, obviously, than, than reading things. I feel like I don't have the time, but I can watch a video. And I believe the first one that I watched was how to use the compound interest of success. You've got several other great topics on there about, you know, world's most powerful three-letter word, why you should focus on the basics and ignore the complex. And I uh, certainly want to steer my audience over to your website. But tell us about that, how to use the compound interest of success and how that's different than the compound interest of money. Sure. Well, the principle of compounding is it all comes back to this, to a law of nature called like a feedback loop. And feedback loops are fascinating and I think everyone should study them because it explains, it explains the universe and it explains the entire world around us. Really, everyone is an active participant in this thing which we call life and what no one, everyone thinks that everything's just black and white and that, you know, the chances of being successful is like 0.0% or something like that. Or, you know, there's these, all these stats people throw around, like your chances of doing this are this much. But what no one really understands is that if you make, if you take one step forward, it, you know, and then you take another step forward, it all starts to compound. And so just like with money, when you have $0, you've got like nothing. But once you have $100, you're earning a little bit of interest. And then you get 1000 And then, you, you know, by the time you've got a million, you're earning quite a lot. And that adds to that. And then it compounds and it compounds. And then it spirals out of control. Well, it's this, it, feedback loops are everywhere. And to make it clear, I really need to use a very basic example. It's like they've done scientific experiments with, with goldfish. And they take all of these goldfish, which are completely equal size, and they put them into a pond. And then they take one goldfish, which is only slightly bigger, like only the tiniest bit bigger. You couldn't really notice it with your eyes, but if you measured it, you could see. And then they put that one goldfish in there, which is bigger. And then they drop food in this pond each day. And the goldfish with the slight size advantage fights the other goldfish off and gets the food. But as he eats that food, he gets bigger and the other goldfish aren't getting bigger themselves. And you come back in two or three months and that one goldfish is huge. And so all he really needed was a slight advantage. And that's how people become successful. It's, they didn't, it's not some miracle thing which happened overnight. It's from one slight little advantage which they had. And so like Michael Jordan, he was told that he was going to, you know, that he should stop playing basketball. He was told he was a failure, but he kept at it. And then he probably just had one game where he, he took one shot and someone noticed him and they told him like, that was good. And then that reinforced his belief that he was good. So he started playing a bit better and then more people started noticing him. And then the more people that told him he was good, the better he started playing. And then it would have gotten to the point where his coach favored him over the rest. So he gave him more game time. He gave him more advice. And then, you know, before you know it, it spiraled out of control and he's the best 
basketball player in the world. And that's how everything really is created. And that's how things start spiraling out of control. It's all because of feedback loops and how, you know, just a small advantage can become a massive advantage. And they can, and the thing people need to understand is they can work in your favor or they can work to your demise. And for most people, they work to their demise. It's like you can have a negative feedback loop or a positive one. And if you give something a half effort, if you give something like, you know, a very poor effort and you think you're going to fail, and it's all because of negative feedback loops, but then you meet these people and they're so positive and they're so confident and it's all because of positive feedback loops. So one thing that you need to understand is how powerful every thought and every little action you take is. Once you realize that, you will start to analyze every thought that comes through your head and you'll start to analyze every action you take in life because you know that it's not just isolated to that one thought or to that one action. You realize that it, with compounding attached to it, it's going to be significant. So you want to only, you know, if you have a negative thought or if you, if you get into a bad mood, you want to snap out of that really quick before it starts to compound against you. But on the other side of the table, if you have something go in your favor or if, you have a, if you're in a good mood or something, you need to take advantage of that and you need to use it to start building on top of it. And if you, that's one thing I've really learned how to do well is recognize these patterns and, and take advantage of them. And that's really a long explanation of the compounding, uh, the compound interest of success. It just tells you that you need just a tiny little advantage to really become successful. And anyone can get a tiny advantage. You know, I think everyone thinks that like when they go to play basketball, they compare themselves to Michael Jordan right away and they're like, I'm nowhere near good enough. Or when someone goes to be successful, they look at Mark Zuckerberg and all these other people and they're like, I'm nowhere near good enough. But all you need is just one little, one little advantage and it can really start compounding and working for you. That's great, Sam. Thanks so much for the advice. And I want to just encourage anyone listening to this is to uh, head over to samovens.com forward slash blog. You can find his blog there. Also his website, samovens.com. Dot com. Where else can we find you in the world of uh, social media? I think my Facebook page or profile is facebook.com forward slash Sam Ovens fan, F-A-N. And I don't post very often, but when I do post, it's usually pretty good. <laughs> Said with confidence. I love it. Well, thanks for taking time here on the Success 101 podcast today. I know that you're traveling and over in London and uh, could be doing a lot of other things with your time. So we certainly appreciate getting to steal some of it here. I will link everything in the show notes, including the links that you gave to your website and your Facebook page. Enjoy your travels and continued success. And we appreciate your time here. Thanks so much, Sam. I certainly appreciate you joining me on the Success 101 podcast today. And make sure you head on over to success101podcast.com and sign up for my newsletter. That will keep you up to date on all the new guests, the future guests, anything that I'm announcing for future episodes or blog posts. Again, that is my website, success101podcast.com. 
And if you want to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is info at success101podcast.com. I can also be found in the world of social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash success101podcast, on Twitter at Warren Jared, and my favorite social media outlet out there, which is Instagram at Jared underscore Warren. And if you've enjoyed this podcast or any others, share it with family, friends, business partners, anyone that you feel might benefit from hitting higher levels performance in active and busy lives, which is all of us, right? Also, head on over to Apple, give it a five-star rating and a review. That's what keeps this thing going in the future as Apple looks very closely at those reviews and ratings. And I look forward to seeing you guys again on another episode of The Success 101 Podcast. Until then.